All right, welcome to Upbeat Tales. Today's story is by Brian Crenshaw. I am going to be narrating it. I'm Eddie Knight. This is our official segue into our monthly cadence. After our three-piece launch series that we had last month, we're going to be doing a monthly cadence now. If you're following us on Twitter, that will not be surprising to you at all. So we are super excited to see what you guys have to submit. Be sure to stay in touch with us on Twitter. That's our main social platform right now. Um, I know they're kind of in a mix-up with the whole x.com thing. Um, We're going to stay on Twitter a little while longer, see how it rolls out. Now, before we kick off, we have two announcements. The first one is that it's August, which means our call for stories is now live. If you go to our main page on upbeatales.com, you can see the call for stories. So if you are a short story writer and you have something that you think is upbeat, regardless of genre, we really want to read this. We want to see this from you. We're going to be selecting the best stories from these submissions and compensating you for the time that it took for you guys to write that. And we will be publishing them on our monthly schedule moving forward until the next call for stories comes up. So it's going to be super fun. Second one is a personal plug from me. I am very excited to share with you guys that my full-length novel, Nyx, it's a cybercrime science fiction techno thriller novel, is now published and live on Audible, narrated by Stephen Dalton. He did an amazing job narrating this, just brings the story to life. You're going to love it. Now, without further ado, let's hop into today's story. This is Nature Trail by Brian Crenshaw. The muggy air blasted my face around the plastic windscreen, the rush of it in my ears muting the drone of unseen insects. One thing that hasn't changed since humanity's great reclusion is the constancy of bugs. Even back when every person needed their own vehicle, when we raided the sea to make fish fillets and crowded out all macro life, bugs as a whole remained mostly unfazed. The cart's electric motor rumbled beneath me as it powered its load forward, faster than I'd ever gone before my FaceTime assignment, but nothing compared to the automated trucks that crossed the highways at 300 kilometers an hour. Most of the space between the warehouse and the three housing blocks where I delivered groceries was overgrown and wild. I had to learn the names of half the creatures I saw out there from Hutch. There were deer, squirrels, even coyotes, and skunks. But far from the high-pitched buzzing and unnatural lights of most modern homes, you could see much more. Teen workers trimmed the fields and parks as I approached the blocks. Like most kids spending their day outdoors, they were not happy to be there. Face-to-face interaction didn't come easy to my generation. There's a big difference between talking to someone through a computer interface versus in person. Having to log your FaceTime hours toiling against a vital, rebounding nature only added insult to injury. And everyone who got fieldwork assigned complained bitterly on the academic forums. My earpiece chimed, and I told it to open my mail. The baritone voice of my mail manager program answered the request, informing me of 13 unanswered messages stored in my cloud memory space. All of them from my friend Crosshair. Born Julie Suarez. Crosshair lived in Honolulu, on the opposite side of the country. 
Both of us registered ourselves by our guild names in federal and academic paperwork. A common enough practice in any society where your performance in favorite games dictates what path you'll take through life. There was a time when I would have jumped on a message from Crosshair, like a platoon commander receiving tactical intel from the front lines. But that deep into my FaceTime assignment, I usually ignored them with mixed distaste and pity. I blinked twice to access the latest message. You've put your earpiece on delay again. The recording said in her voice, musical but clipped. Get that thing switched back to real time on the double killjoy. The guild is hurting without its leader. We've lost three skirmishes over the last week alone. The edge to her voice mellowed and she adopted a gentler tack. It's beginning to affect morale. Our personal records are slipping along with the guilds. Tumble's accuracy has fallen and Vojak's weekly kill count is at an all-time low. We've lost some of the newer members now that you're not around. I waited for the message to play out, listening to a pause that sounded almost like she expected me to reply, even though my earpiece had been set to record rather than connect calls for over two weeks. Even my numbers are starting to sink, she mumbled into the speaker. I've been getting distracted. I haven't had anyone to play Sympath with in a while, and the toys are getting dusty. I miss your touch, Killjoy. I winced. Crosshair's strategic sense in the games was impressive, but it took an ugly, unappetizing quality when applied to real life. Her early messages had been completely abrasive and belligerent, demanding that I get myself back online and scoring kills for the guild. Now, she acted hurt and vulnerable, trying to appeal to my softer side. If we were gaming right now, she'd be retreating to the best vantage point from which to snipe my overconfident pursuit. From brutal aggression to cunning manipulation with the slightest shift of fortune. A chime from my earpiece interrupted Crosshair's message. No words, just three abrupt chirps, an urgent ping from my academic counselor. I pulled my car over to the side of the road. I'd been expecting this to come through, and I was nervous. When your advisor was worried enough to start interrupting your assignments, it meant they weren't many steps away from marking your record. My parents had been on me about studies and general performance lately almost as fervently as Crosshair. Up to that point, the academic authority had given me the benefit of doubt due to my history of high marks, but no longer. I got out of the cart and moved around into the shade before tapping the side of my ear in a staccato sequence, sending an active call back to my counselor. Hello, Counselor Park. Hello, Killjoy, she answered. Her tone was cool, professional. How can I help you? I tried to sound genuine, but I heard the tightness in her voice. We both knew what this was about. I'm looking at your transcripts, she replied. I'm worried about some of the patterns I see and curious about why your performance has been dropping for the past four weeks. My mouth went dry. I'd gone over what I would say when this call came, but this wasn't the video battlefield where Crosshair and I reigned supreme. All of my dissembling and scripted excuses went out the window before Counselor Park's collected scrutiny. I've had just... had kind of a slump, I stammered, voice wavering like I was 13 again. Since getting my FaceTime assignment, I'd been really focused on that. I've had less time for Strike Point or Satellite Command. She cleared her throat, <clears throat> a gesture, somehow imbued with more certainty and power than my quiet words. We weren't on vid, but I could imagine her fingers lacing in front of her as in past meetings, piercing eyes searching me through tinted contacts darting back and forth over her high cheekbones. 
Social assignments are important, but not at the expense of your military curriculum. The guild you founded with Crosshair has fallen out of the regional top five all the way from first place. These are competitive rankings you've earned, viciously vied for by thousands of students who have had their eye on the same top-notch military academies that you do. The only reason that you and your squad mates are even on the leaderboard anymore is because of your great gains last year. That remains some of the best team and individual play our region has seen since the games came out. She said this with clear, but possibly manufactured, pride. It at least seemed like she meant it. She went on before I could thank her for the compliment. You have a gift, not only for fighting, but for leading, and your parents and I think it's important that you don't squander that by getting distracted right before graduation. I heard her silk sleeves slide over the desk as she switched between tablet monitors. Highest individual kill count per game last year, third highest this year behind Snubnose, 28, and Flak Jacket. Your guild has been in the top three for your age group consistently and number one through the latter half of your junior year. You aren't quite as accomplished in your command sims, but you perform better instances where interpersonal interaction is emphasized. You have high marks for spatial strategy, psychological tactics, on par with those of your teammate, Crosshair. With Vitae like this, you could get into the best academies in the country. If you stayed on this trajectory, improving your performance and moving into cross-regional competitions, you could secure your place in the elite class at West Point Forum and have your financial and professional future guaranteed. I know, I mumbled. But you've hit a slump, she said flatly. There was no accusation in her tone, but rather an emptiness that invited me to speak, to offer explanation. Yes. It was clear by her silence that she expected more, but right then, I had nothing else to say. She sighed. It's very important that we find the source of this slump and fix it then. It isn't just your future that worries me, but also your social health. I'm sure you've heard it said by your grandparents or on the open forums that the human psyche was not evolved to cope with modern society. We are built to interact face-to-face, -face, the way we do with our families, but with everyone, all the time. If you're feeling unfulfilled, it may be that you have interests that your academic curriculum is not addressing. In this day and age, it's important to fight the natural feelings of isolation by seeking peers with similar interests, people you can enjoy being around who think and feel the same way you do. A place where you can let your guard down. Perhaps a place less stressful than the games where you have a reputation to maintain. I swallowed. Nervous, but glad she was doing most of the talking. Yes, that makes sense. In that case, we can enroll you in a new program targeting stress relief. You will need to return to Strike Point and Satellite Command. Those numbers need to go back up unless you've decided to turn your back on the military future that you've been preparing for since middle school. However, your health must be addressed. We should look into communities that can satisfy that need as well. I heard movement on her side, fervent tapping on the monitor in front of her. I'm going to scale back your FaceTime credits, as you're earning high marks in that anyway, and technically it's pass-fail. You have three more months to go, but since you've been spending more than three times necessary hours doing the job, we can waive what's left. Instead, we should enroll you in something lower stress, something you can do to engage with a more supportive crowd that demands less from you. Have you heard of Mythic's Stone? It's very popular right now. I jerked at the implication. You mean that fantasy grinder? 
Yes, she said. That is what some people call them. It has a reputation for being easy to master. And I hear the story is quite engaging, written by some big names in the entertainment industry and sold mostly as a therapy program for those who need release between sessions of their career-oriented sims. It should put much less of a strain on you than a game of strike point, and neither your future nor anyone else's hinges on your performance there. It can help you slow down, refresh, and get out of this slump. I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard of someone being prescribed more sim time. Not even simulation, but straight up game time for spending too many hours with others in person. But a grinder? Those were mindless and didn't count toward anything beside experience in the game industry, mostly being a writer or coder for other grinders. Is there anything else? I sputtered. Well, I could hear the frown in her voice. I really think you should consider it. An online role-playing game would be good for soothing your frayed nerves. Slumps like this are not uncommon for students exposed to hundreds of hours of intense sims. But if you don't want to download Mystic Stone or any of the other games in its category, then I suppose there are other avenues of interest we could discuss. Not everything is as stressful as military simulators, but some genres can be deceptive. This may seem easy, but how about one of those clinic sims? Red Cross Veterinary or something? I was surprised to hear the words coming out of me. It was more open than I had expected to be with Counselor Park. Red Cross? Do you mean Red Cross veterans? She asked. No, I um, heard about it online. It seemed pretty relaxing, and I'd rather be learning about a real industry than leveling up some sorcerer on Mystic Stone. The silence on the other end told me what she thought of the idea. I don't know, I said. It just seemed like something I might want to try. You're sure you mean veterinary? Animal care is not a large industry, Killjoy. Jobs in that field are vanishingly rare. R.C. Veterinary is... Her fingers tapped again at the keys, pulling up sim history. Six years old with no updates in the last four? It's a real step down from training as a prestigious skirmisher or commander for your country's military. I, I know, it's just... It, it isn't anything like my other games. It would be refreshing, even if it is more challenging than I give it credit for. It is, she affirmed. Difficulty is rated red 3 by the end of the game's solo campaign, and those that play it online are mostly existing animal care workers. I hear it isn't easy for newcomers to break in. I think I'd like to do it. For now, anyway, if we're scaling back job time. Please, Miss Park? Her silence lasted a little while longer. Then she sighed in defeat. I left my cart sitting on the side of the road, its refrigerated trailer roaring in the summer sun. The woods were just ahead of me, and I wasn't far from where I wanted to go. I walked by the Norway maple whose purple leaves had caught my eye on the first week out here that inspired me to abandon my cart and go exploring so soon after my FaceTime assignment. The overgrown trail beyond it was shadowed by a thick foliage that had met the sun with a wall of green. Narrow and winding, it had a secret and enchanting quality that the likes of mystic stone could never touch. A close, intimate darkness hung over everything beneath the canopy. A ceiling that glowed green and danced with little flying things that lived their entire lives in complete ignorance of humanity. 
I followed it until it opened out into a gentle, rock-strewn slope that descended to a brown creek filled with rounded stones, frogs, and dragonflies. I had come to love the water's cackle. On the near side of the creek were rows of wire cages encircled by a low fence. A dusty, threadbare backpack rested against one of the fence posts. A girl sat beside it with a small creature in her arms. Beads glimmered in her hair from the dappled sunlight peeking in from above, and she was scuffed and scratched from working with the cages and the animals inside. A stray dog with an injured leg yipped from a makeshift kennel, announcing my arrival. The girl looked up and smiled. I smiled back. Hi, Hutch. Her brown eyes danced in the soft light, almost as much as the little thing in her arms. Hi, KJ. I don't think you've met Stanley the Stoat. I smiled down at the little russet weasel. It shifted when I got too close, its sinuous body bouncing to spring away. I didn't know what was wrong with it, but Hutch never kept anything that didn't need some kind of help. She didn't seem to be worried about it getting away. I have not. I eased down beside her, letting the animal settle down. When I failed to lash out or make sudden movements, Stanley relaxed. A lot of animals had no fear of humans anymore and this one probably had been hand-fed by Hutch. She had a way of calming them down that I didn't understand. It was amazing to watch her work. We sat side by side, my bare arm touching hers. Her dark hair was slightly curled by the humidity, and the sweat stood out on her forehead. Her eyes were fixed on me, even though her posture was completely bent toward cradling the weasel. A comfortable silence stretched, and for a while, we were happy in it. Her smile faded, though. By the time it was entirely gone, she turned to me with doubt in her eyes. She drew an anxious breath at my questioning glance. Why do you come here, KJ? Why do you take so much time away from the vids and the sims? I know you're good at them. I saw your transcript on the academic forums. Why would someone like that bother coming out here? How to answer? My gaze dropped. Why do you? You know why I do, she said. Her voice was gentle, like the leaf-filtered sunlight. I love the animals and the way they make me feel, but I have to touch them. I hate being shut up in a room with a computer, learning through feeds at the San Diego Zoo. I hate the sims asking me to fix fake problems for fake animals that feel nothing. Living things feel. Sometimes I think our society is trying to change that. I caught myself nodding, not sure if I thought the same. You could bring your tablet outdoors out here with you. She gave me a pitying and credulous look that brought an unwilling smile to my lips. You know better than that. Once I come out here, there is no room for the world on the screen. She grinned. I guess maybe the wild growth got into my heart and took root. Now there's no way for me to go back into the little box and put my heart into that fake world again. If I ever did to begin with. I thought about that. There is no question that I'd put my heart into Strike Point, Satellite Command, and all of the other games and simulators I'd tried over the years in school. My being out here was not out of hatred for where I came from. All those days wreaking havoc on the game servers with Crosshair had been great. My parents were pleased, the academic authority was impressed, and it felt good to be skilled at what I did. But once I came out here, things changed.
Maybe the wild growth thing for me, too, I concluded, watching Stanley wiggle in her arms. I didn't hate it, but there's something out here that I can't find on the internet, in gaming or school. Her expression was unreadable. It could have been hopeful or guarded, like maybe she was waiting for me to realize I didn't belong out here after all. I shook my head. The company's a lot nicer, too. I looked into her eyes, more real than the other people I talked to, just like this place compared to the world in the little box. She shook her head and watched the dragonflies flying over the creek. It felt like it was ours, this little tributary, though I knew it began somewhere miles away and ended somewhere far in the distance. But within this glade, it flowed just for us. The world could be both bigger and smaller out here. You sure can be thick, she said. I can't make society work for me. But it was working for you. Would still work for you if you packed up and went back to the box. The stoat ran from her arms toward the creek, dipping its head down for a drink. From its gait, I could tell that it had some sort of back injury. I took her hand as we watched it. It's already in me, remember? I can't unsee this place. I can't go back and stop myself from getting my assignment and coming out here and meeting you. I can't, and I don't want to. There isn't much future in offline work. There won't be much money, she said, her voice hitching. Not for either of us. It'll be a hard road. Stanley returned to her, but she didn't let go of my hand. It's the only road that'll do, I said. It's the only one that we want, so making it work is the only course for us. I saw a tear roll down her cheek. She wiped it away and held her other hand out to Stanley. The stoat sniffed at her outstretched fingers. Watching it, I wondered how much I had in common with the little animal, returning to her over and over again. To this place filled with cages and fences, this little corner of captivity she had built in the wild world. To this prison of love. Was I trapped by her too? Or did I know that this captivity was actually freedom? That her healing hands were mending hurts that I hadn't even been aware of? I didn't know what the future held for us. I didn't know if there were opportunities for two people who wanted to live beneath the green canopy even in the summer heat, who wanted to see and touch the creatures that had reclaimed the world after our great reclusion, and not their hundredth generation captive cousins. But I did know that the woods lured me away from my old life on my third day outdoors, and that the magic I found there was more enthralling than anything my games could simulate. I also knew that there was another magic in those woods which kept me coming back. I got a ping from Crosshair. My earpiece reminded me that I had two unanswered pings from my parents, as well as notification of change to my school curriculum, which now included two hours a day of Red Cross veterinary. I looked at the trees, the creek, and the stope beneath Hutch's fingers. I listened to the cackle of the creek and the quiet breathing of the girl beside me. I pulled out my earphone and put it on the ground.